The Center for Thinking Biblically is a ministry of the Masters University. Visit thinkbiblically.org for more information. Now that we have established what a dinosaur is, that allows us to look at the different types of dinosaurs. People have this misconception sometimes that a dinosaur is like a simple type of an animal. You know, like you might say like a dog or a cat. But a dinosaur is a whole category of animals, just like you might say mammal or bird. And so it's important that we look at the different types and learn how they're distinguished because this is really revealing the glory of God as he puts his creation on display. Things that you wouldn't even think possible could exist, and yet there they are. So what we'll cover today, what are the main types of dinosaurs? And then we'll take a look at how many created kinds of dinosaurs there actually were. So let's get started. To begin with, as you're thinking about dinosaurs, there's two main categories that people have used ever since the 1800s. And we base those off of the hips. So if you remember previously, we looked at a perforated acetabulum and a dinosaur hip, which remember is the big hole right through it. All dinosaurs share that. But what you can see here is that there are two different hip constructions. The one at the top there we call sorischia, which means lizard-hipped. On this construction, the hip looks kind of like the hip you see in a lizard, with the pubis pointing forward. But the other one down at the bottom there is what we call the ornithischian condition, or the bird hip condition, where the pubis actually points backwards with the ischium. It looks a lot like a bird hip. And as you may have heard, evolutionists believe that birds evolved from dinosaurs, and you might think at first that they would think birds would have evolved from the ornithischian hips, but they don't. In the evolution model, birds actually evolved from the lizard hip dinosaurs, which is kind of a weird thing, but that's how it goes. So this is how people have traditionally classified dinosaurs for a long time. But just in 2017, a new article came out where they argued, actually, this is incorrect. Instead of having the meat-eating theropods and the long-necked sauropods together as Sorischia, the meat-eating dinosaurs joined with the Ornithischians to make a new group called Ornithoscolida and the sauropods stuck with a small group of Triassic dinosaurs called Herrerasaurs as the Saurischia. Now, is that important to you? Maybe that's a fact you won't remember later, but I want you to be aware that these classification schemes are not something set in stone. They do actually change over time, and people argue about this all the time, and it's something that's happening. Science develops over time. It doesn't say static. And so when somebody says, oh, you gotta trust the science, you gotta realize that science isn't ever changing construction. We learn more over time. So here are different categories of dinosaurs. On the left, we have the Sorischians, and on the right, the Ornithischians. So Sorischia would be your theropods and sauropods, the meat-eating dinosaurs and the long-necked dinosaurs. And birds, remember, are thought to evolve from the Sorischians, specifically the theropods and the evolutionary model. On the right, we have the Ornithischia, and there's five types of those. I know these are names maybe you're not familiar with, but we'll look at each one in turn. We have the stegosaurs and chylosaurs, ornithopods, pachycephalosaurs, and ceratopsians. So we're going to begin by looking at the ornithischia, the bird hip dinosaurs. And remember those five types, the stegosaurs and chylosaurs, ceratopsians, pachycephalosaurs, and ornithopods. Our bird hip dinosaurs, their first fossils you find of them are in the Jurassic, actually. There are no Triassic ornithischians currently known. It doesn't mean they're not in those rocks, it's just we haven't found them. But their fossils go all the way up to the very top of the Cretaceous, where you find dinosaurs like Triceratops and Ankylosaurus. 
These dinosaurs are not only characterized by their bird-shaped hips, you can also characterize them with a special bone they have that's not found in other dinosaurs called the predentary bone. It's an extra little bone in the lower jaw. Often these dinosaurs have kind of a beak in the front um, where they can use for cropping off plants to chew them up later. We're gonna begin our look at Ornithischians by checking out one of the most iconic dinosaurs of them all, Stegosaurus, and its relatives in the group Stegosauria. You've no doubt heard of a Stegosaurus before, you recognize its image, but did you know there's a whole group of dinosaurs that are variations on the Stegosaur theme? Things like Kentrosaurus here from Africa, where instead of having plates going down the whole back, it switches to spikes halfway. And many Stegosaurs had shoulder spines. All Stegosaurs had a cluster of spikes at the end of the tail that they could use as a weapon. Here is actually a replica of one of the spikes on the end of a Stegosaur tail. And remember that on top of this bone, you would have a keratin sheath that would extend it to make it even sharper and longer. That's pretty terrifying. If you were a meat-eating dinosaur, you might not want to mess with this. And uh, Gary Larson, who made The Far Side, um, decided to make a little joke with this, um, as you can see there on the screen, referring to the end of the stegosaur as the thagomizer. Paleontologists like this joke so much that that is actually the official name of the end of a stegosaur's tail. It's called the thagomizer, which means this is a thagomizer spike. Besides the stegosaurs, another group of armored dinosaurs are also found in Ornithischia, and we call them the ankylosaurs. Instead of having a thagomizer with spikes, some ankylosaurs had a giant tail club, a massive thing that if they swung it, could easily break the leg of a tyrannosaur or other big meat-eating dinosaur. Not all ankylosaurs had tail clubs, however, like the nodosaurids, um, but all of them did have armor. And this armor was made up of bony pieces we call osteoderms that were embedded in the skin. Now, many times you might just find them as a cluster or the bones are disarticulated, so it can be hard to kind of reconstruct exactly how the armor looked. But every once in a while, a fantastic fossil is found where you can see everything in place. And one of those examples is in the lower right corner there, Borealopelta. Borealopelta was just described a few years ago, and it is a spectacular creature found up in Canada where all the armor's in place on the back there, um, back to about the hips, um, and as well the skin impressions are there. We can even tell what color it was, that the top of the animal was kind of a reddish brown, the bottom would have been lighter colored, and even its stomach contents were preserved. Many people have seen this fossil described as looking at a gargoyle or a dinosaur turned to stone. Pretty interesting stuff. As we move on in Ornithischia, we encounter another group called the Ornithopods. This group has tons of species, and really, they're kind of the more generic of the Ornithischians. They don't have fancy spikes or armor or things like that on them. And the Hypsilophodonts just being these small running ones that probably aren't a natural group. But as you get to the bigger animals, things we call Iguanodonts, you find some pretty cool dinosaurs. Iguanodon, of course, is a famous dinosaur that has big thumb spikes. But originally, when it was found, the fossils were disarticulated, and they thought that the spikes were a nose horn. They didn't know they went on the thumbs. It wasn't until later that a coal mine in Belgium was um, uncovered in there tons of iguanodon dinosaurs that were articulated and they found out the spike was actually here so it could give a thumbs up to everyone. But the most interesting ornithopods are the hadrosaurids. These are the duck-billed dinosaurs and you can see with Edmontosaurus there, they do have kind of a duck-like beak, although that wouldn't have been visible in life. There was a keratin covering on it. And one of the most famous of these is Parasaurolophus there that has that weird crest that sticks out of the back of its head, which is attached to the nasal chamber and would have allowed for it to make really loud noises. You can imagine herds of these things going around like a trombone or tuba section in a marching band. The hadrosaurs are really particularly interesting in my opinion because of the way they would eat. If you look at their jaws, they are filled with teeth. 
In fact, Edmontosaurus may have had as many as a thousand teeth in its mouth at the same time. The teeth were in something called a dental battery and they would just keep moving up as the surface was ground down over time, more and more and more teeth for the whole life of the animal. Really efficient chewing apparatus. Moving on our Ornithischians, we encounter my favorite dinosaurs, the Pachycephalosaurus. Pachycephalosaurus, um, the name means thick-headed lizard, um, because these dinosaurs had giant bone domes on their heads. In fact, Pachycephalosaurus had nine inches thick of solid bone as an adult. That's insane. What do you do with a giant bone dome on your head? Well, obviously, you're gonna ram it into stuff, okay? This is a Stegosaurus skull right here, not Stegosaurus, but Stegosaurus. And you can see the big dome that's on top of the head here. Some people challenge this. Oh, I don't know if they could actually ram their heads into each other. And so some scientists said, well, let's test that idea. And what they did is they looked at the skull and they said, where do we find the most injuries? If we find them concentrated up on the dome, that's a good indicator they're probably using their dome to hit things. But if it's everywhere, then, you know, it's not necessarily a good indicator. And what they found, lo and behold, was that the huge majority of, inju of injuries are concentrated right up here on top of the dome. So they were almost certainly banging their heads into each other, into other things possibly too. One of the most fascinating things about pachycephalosaurus was it looks like as they grew, their dome grew too, from flat to a dome. You can see there on the left, Draco Rex, meaning Dragon King, which is a really cool name but it's probably actually a juvenile Pachycephalosaurus. It started its life with a flat head and the dome would grow as the animal reached sexual maturity to be this big dome at the end that it could use to ram things. Our last group of Ornithischians are the Ceratopsians. And you can see here one of the most interesting um, forms, in my opinion, Cetacosaurus. It means parrot lizard because it looks like it has a parrot's head on its body. Um, and this animal, there are so many fossils of it, we know a lot about it. And in particular, some fossils in China have exquisite preservation, like this individual right here, where you can see the skin, the patterning on the skin, the coloration of the skin, as well as special filaments that came off the tail. What were these things for? I have no idea. Kinda looks like a chia pet. I kinda wanna cut it off, but that's what it had. And so we've been able to make incredibly accurate reconstructions of this dinosaur. But the Ceratopsians are best known for their really big members of the group, things like Triceratops. Now, you might think Triceratops is a one-off, but actually the family Ceratopsidae has many, many forms with different horn and frill um, constructions. The back end of the animal looks basically the same, but the head takes all kinds of variations. And that's a good indicator that this is probably one created kind, and that there's different variations within that kind, just like we have different breeds and species of dogs. Moving on to our Ceriscia, we have two main groups, the long-necked dinosaurs, called the sauropodomorphs, and the theropods. The sauropodomorphs include the smaller prosauropods, um, which probably aren't a real group, some of which could walk around on two legs and even use their hands, and then the really big, spectacular sauropods, like Camarasaurus there, which I've got a skull right here. Sauropods were not animals that could chew, despite having teeth. Um, what they would use their teeth for was cropping vegetation. They would swallow it whole and possibly use Gizzard stones, we call gastroliths, rocks they would swallow to help them grind up their food. These animals would have to eat tons and tons of food and they could get really big as the femur behind me attests. How big? Well, our biggest sauropod dinosaurs, we're not even sure of course we have the biggest, but they could easily get longer than 100 feet, possibly up to 120 feet long, and weigh somewhere between 60 and 100 tons, which is absolutely incredible. You can't even think of an animal that big walking around on land. In fact, when paleontologists back in the day were studying these, they thought they were so big they couldn't be on land, they had to be in the water. 
But footprints, as well as biomechanical studies, demonstrate for sure these animals could walk around on land. There's all kinds of fascinating sauropods like a margosaurus there with the long neck spines, and shunosaurus, which has a tail club like an ankylosaur. I wish we could spend more time looking at these animals, but we need to move to what's maybe many people's favorite group, the theropods, the meat-eating dinosaurs. These dinosaurs always walked on two legs, meaning they were bipedal. They had pneumatic bones, which means their bones were hollow, like birds or pterosaurs. The hands typically only had three fingers, although some like Carnotaurus here had four. And these were the, this is the only group that had strictly carnivorous dinosaurs in it. One of the most famous theropods is probably Spinosaurus, especially made famous by Jurassic Park 3. Its bones were originally found in Egypt and then brought to a museum in Germany. That museum was later bombed during World War II, um, and so the bones were completely destroyed. As a result, people kind of knew, okay, it's got a fin on its back, it's kind of a weird meat eater, but they kind of just made it a big meat-eating dinosaur with a fin on its back. But more recent discoveries have revealed this dinosaur is even more bizarre than anybody knew. It has a giant crocodile-like face, it has this weird hump fin on its back, it's got very elongated vertebrae even on its tail to kind of look like a newt back there, and its back legs are ridiculously short for a theropod dinosaur. Um, some people even suggesting maybe it walked on four legs, but it probably could still walk on two. But it may have spent a lot of time in the water. As we look at our theropod dinosaurs, there's many different kinds, but I want to look specifically at the Solarosaurs. The Solarosauria is a group of dinosaurs, most of which are small, although there are some big individuals, of course, like T-Rex there on the screen. But I want to look at some of the other dinosaurs. For instance, the Ornithomimosaurs. These are the ostrich-mimicked dinosaurs, because they kind of look like ostriches with arms instead of wings and a long tail. Struthiomimus there being an example, but a really spectacular example comes from Mongolia. And that's a giant pair of arms called dinochirus, meaning terrible hands. This pair of arms, the arms themselves were eight feet long, and they look like ostrich dinosaur arms. So are we really having an ostrich dinosaur running around that's like 30 feet long? That seems absurd. Well, finally, more of the animal was discovered and announced in 2014, and you can see its reconstruction there. It's a very strange looking animal. It has a big hump on its back. It's not gonna be a very quick animal, as you can tell, and its face kind of looks a little bit like Jar Jar Binks. It's a very, very strange creature, um, but here it is. Spectacular, surprising example. As we move even farther in from Solarisoria, we encounter a group called Manoraptora, and these are the dinosaurs that are the most like birds. It includes several different fascinating groups of dinosaurs. For instance, the Alvarosauroids, like Shivuya right there. These are very small dinosaurs many times. In fact, Shivuya is a little tiny thing you could carry around in your backpack if you wanted, or a purse. I mean, it's dead now, so you can't, but. But what's really interesting about Alvarosaurs is that they would have one giant finger and the rest would be tiny or not there at all. What do you do with a hand that just has one giant claw in it? I don't know, it's a weird animal. Kind of on the opposite extreme are the Therizinosaurs, which had three giant claws on each hand, um, and they were really, really long claws, like you can see Nothronychus over there, and these were kind of the ground sloths of the dinosaur world, having these giant hips and not very quick animals, big guts, but really long necks to help them reach plants, because they were actually herbivorous. The Ovaraptorosaurs were mainly toothless dinosaurs. You can see their Anzu and the Cidipati we saw sitting on its nest earlier. These dinosaurs had all kinds of fun cranial crests going on and were covered in feathers, as we'll see later. And then the Paravis. And Paravis includes one of the classic dinosaurs made famous by Jurassic Park, Velociraptor. Now this is probably the Velociraptor that you know and love. But in actuality, Jurassic Park got a lot of things wrong about Velociraptor. For instance, Velociraptor would only come up to about your knees. 
not a very big dinosaur. There are other dinosaurs in its family, Dromaeosauridae, that were the size of the raptors in Jurassic Park, like Utah Raptor, which you can see the foot over here with the giant claw. Velociraptor also would have been covered in feathers. Now, we have a little bit of fossil evidence for this, specifically in Velociraptor, but other members of its family, Dromaeosauridae, preserve all kinds of feathers on them, like Microraptor here, which has giant wing feathers coming off of the arms and legs. Also in the Paravies, and also feathered, include the Truodontids, which had very large brains relative to their body size, and the Scansoriopterigids, which are really weird dinosaurs that have an elongated third finger, and one particular species, Yichi, which is actually the shortest name of any animal, tied with Ioia, a bat. Um, this animal not only had feathers, but had a membranous wing structure all around its arms. So it looks kind of like a bat, bird, dinosaur, pterosaur hybrid creature. Very bizarre, very interesting, and would have no doubt been beautiful to see in life. Now let me wrap up here with answering our second question. How many created kinds of dinosaurs are there? To answer this, we used what's called baromenology. And this is a creationist field of study looking at how many created kinds and what are the created kinds? How do you figure them out? I don't have time to explain all of what these charts mean, um, nor would you potentially be interested. Maybe you would be. If you are, you can see me later. But anyway, these charts, they show here um, what we look for for created kinds. So for instance, here we're looking at some dinosaurs, and when you see clusters together, like the orange, um, that's suggesting that they're very similar animals. And if you see a separation between them and another group, like the gray on that one chart, that's suggesting that they're not close relatives of each other. In fact, maybe distinct created kinds. So when um, I and some other colleagues presented this on dinosaurs and tried to look at it and study dinosaurs with these, and with these methods, we determined there's probably somewhere between 35 and 75 different kinds of dinosaurs, which is a lot. Um, but it's nowhere compared to the number of species of dinosaurs, which is over 1,400. So each kind would have many species in it, just like the dog kind may have, you know, all the breeds of dogs as well as coyotes and foxes and wolves and dingoes and all kinds of fun things in there. So to wrap up, there are many different types of dinosaurs, and there are probably many different created kinds of dinosaurs as well. Ornithischian dinosaurs include the stegosaurs and chylosaurs, ornithopods, ceratopsians and pachycephalosaurs, and the Ceriscian dinosaurs include our sauropodomorphs and theropods. Thank you for listening to the Center for Thinking Biblically podcast. To help support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org forward slash donate. To learn more about the Masters University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.